We are officially live. Another episode of Shut Up and Invest. What's going on, Jay Money? Hey, Kevin. How you doing today, man? Looking good? Everything is good, my friend. Today, we're going to be breaking down how to get great investment deals from the realtors. Realtors. Do you mean they bring deals still? Ah, we're going to be breaking up the, the myth out there. There's so many investors out there that think that you can't get good deals from realtors. So I'll break down a couple of deals I recently just did. And, uh, and we'll get into some questions and, uh, but yeah, definitely. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little distracted because my brother just texted me. He literally just had a baby right now, this second. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Your brother? My brother had a baby right now. Like you're about to have right one any day now. So you guys about to have, what is that? Like Irish twins. If it's different, if it's, <laughs> if it's Irish twins with different parents or is that just for parents? <laughs> I'm I'm scheduled for Friday if it doesn't come sooner. Friday. Wow. Okay. Let's see. Let's so, see you know, we bring we're bringing we're increasing the squad in the last uh this week to That's your brother uh second. Second? That's my youngest brother. My brother's oh, okay. second. Okay. Yeah, that's my brother's second. Two girls. Congratulations, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. Congrats, so, yeah. Congrats. That is uh that is a reason why we hustle because mm-hmm. families keep growing. You know better than than anybody with your 20 kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm building see my I'm building new branches on the tree now. I'm I'm the low but you know, I'm below the kids now. Now I'm about to be the next the next level. So you know, <laughs> but we definitely are growing. <laughs> Growing every day, it feels like. <laughs> All right, so I gotta get on um, probably a family Zoom call real quick. So let's uh, jump right into the mix and hit the people with what they want, which is how to get deals from um, realtors. So I recently on market deals, right? On, on, on market deals, MLS deals, or. They could be a realtor sending you the listing before it goes on the market. I just had a realtor do that right now. Actually, send me a listing that he's going to have in two weeks. And so. that's that's exactly what I want to focus on first. So I just recently did two deals. Um, one of them is what we call those pocket listings, where they're they're about to list it on the market, and they're. By the way, thank you for for the congratulations wish. Um, so I have a realtor that. I have a few realtors that call me every single listing they get before it gets onto the market to basically see, you know, if I have any buyers for it or, you know, what do I personally think about the listing? So step one is establish as many close relationships with realtors so that they give you those phone calls. Those phone calls create opportunities. Definitely, definitely. And a part of that is, you know, I'm sure they're calling Kevin still to this day because the deals that he has done with them, he's closed, right? So, you know, we, make we sure closed. you're closing these deals with these realtors, right? And you're communicating with them properly. And then that way you'll be their VIP investor they call before they even list the property in MLS. Yeah, we close and we take care of them. You know, we're not greedy. So if we're making money on the deal, we're making sure that everybody's being taken care of. Um, so they'll they call me. And they basically say, hey, I got a listing. I think it's going to go hot. I think it's going to be in a good area for cash offers. So those are the best calls because I already know that we could potentially lock that up 
and then continue getting offers on the deal so I could quickly wholesale it. So they call me and say, hey, this is what the situation is. I know bottom line number is going to be this. So let's say a hundred grand. And that in this case, it was a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. Bottom line number for my client is a hundred thousand. We're listing it at 120. I said, all right, not a problem. I'm probably going to, you know, I like that offer at a hundred, but keep it going at, to collect offers at 120 to mm-hmm. see you know, what the market is telling you. I know that that's a sweet spot in the West Palm Beach area for cash offers. Uh-huh. And sure enough, we were locking up the contract at 100. The realtor kept the listing open and accepting backup offers and cash offers were coming in. And we were able to essentially do a double close so that we can make the spread. So they, the, it starts with the relationship with the realtor having that trust. They call me before it even hits the market. They continue to do their job because if I'm not going to buy it or if I don't have a buyer for it, they're going to you know, do what they normally do. But at the end of the day, they know based off conversations with their client, what the bottom line number is. Uh-huh. And that spread of I'm listing it at 120, but I know they'll take 100 already gives me an advantage point of where I know, all right, let me lock this up. And I, and if we get an offer anywhere above 10, 15, 20 grand, that's money in the bank right there. So let's go back. So on that exact deal that you're discussing right now, right? Did you get it under contract with the seller all locked up, you know, EMDN, you know, all executed and then they listed it and kept, kept it listed. We, he, he launched the listing and started getting calls as we were wrapping up the contract with the um, with the buyer. So basically, he came right away within 24 hours of the client. I was like, "Oh, one of my investors wants to make an offer. They want to come in at a hundred. She took another day to like make sure and sign and do everything. So in the period of 48 hours, he was already getting." Um, you know, interest of people that wanted to go see it. So he's like, well, you know, yeah, we're we're in the middle of getting offers, but come through in case we take backup offers. Once I locked it up, I told them, keep it going. Leave Mm -hmm. it out on the market. Tell people you're taking backup offers. And when you get a good offer cash, you know, let them know that that an investor is buying it, but is willing to sell it for that price point. And that's exactly what happened. Perfect, perfect. So you guys locked it up. He had it on the market. So how, how much time was in the market? And then did he did you actually get an offer that came in while it was listed? Or yeah, a week. Out? A week. Got it. And literally by the time I locked it up, two to three days later, we already had a couple cash offers. So it took a week to like see how, you know, how yeah. what was gonna be the best one. But I knew in less than 48 hours that we were going to be able to to unload this to somebody. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool, yeah. And the thing with realtors are realtors have their client, right, that seller. So that's why it's important to build a good relationship with them beforehand, right? Make sure you perform, make sure you take care of them because they're putting their neck on the line, taking your offer, <laughs> you know, and then something backs out where you don't come through. 
then they have to put it back on the market and do what they need to do. And they look right. bad, you know? So you have to remember that with realtors, people people sometimes get angry at the realtor, but like they're representing their client and making sure that their client is taken care of. Right. Which it's still ethical on the realtor side because I was the first offer that got locked up right away. They should take backup offers anyway in case for whatever reason my offer falls apart. If I Definitely. go through an inspection and it turns out to be, you know, not something that I can do at that price point and I back out, which happens. Hey, look, yeah, okay, let's lock it up. Let me go take a look at it. Let me make sure my numbers work. They should continue to be taking those backup offers for that same exact reason you just explained. Definitely. Yep, definitely. So I'm not asking them to do anything unethical. I'm not asking them to do anything that they wouldn't do normally. I'm just being one of their VIP buyers that quickly jumps on a listing they have. And especially if I kind of know the area and I know the numbers, it's going to be a done deal where they're going to be able to make money on that end. And then we're going to be able to take care of them on the other end as well. Yeah. And people have to remember too, just because an offer might be higher, doesn't mean it's in the best interest for your seller, right? If I'm a realtor and I get four offers, right? And let's say Kevin offers a hundred grand, another investor offers 110, but that investor has a bunch of inspections or, you know, that investor has a history of not coming through, right? I'm going to tell my, real, my, my client, listen, I mean, you have two offers, but I know this one right here, right? I've done business with him before. He's solid. It'll be stress-free. It'll close, right? So you have to remember that just because people think if you take a lower offer, that it means, oh, you did, you did the client wrong. No, the, the highest offer isn't always the best offer to take. Yeah. And that's in a case where, where you have a couple offers at the same time. Exactly. When you have the type of relationship in this scenario that I gave that they're talking to you before it even goes on the market, like my offer was accepted first before the other offers came through. So at that point, he was just entertaining backup offers. Yep, you take the first offering with the backups. Definitely. Yeah. So that right there obviously turned into a quick little deal. We double closed it. So if we want to break down what a double closing is, that's basically to not ruffle any feathers, especially with realtors. Um, and when realtors are involved, normally if you're wholesaling a deal, you can just sign the contract. And maybe if the spread would have been smaller, we would have entertained it that way through an assignment. Um, but in this case, it was an older, um, uh, an old school style realtor of mine and an old school style uh, seller as well. So I just knew we had enough spread there to be able to do a double close mm-hmm. instead of just assigning the contract. Not that you can't sell it and you can't make it happen, but just I knew my people. It would be much easier to not even bring it up of signing over the the contract to someone else. So instead, what we did was we closed at the same time the buyer that I then accepted the contract closed on the same day. Definitely. Yep. Double close means basically simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's at the same time. The disadvantage is I pay a little bit more closing costs because yep. I'm closing again. But so it eats into my profit margin. Hence why I was saying there was more profit there. So I was willing to do it. And it was an easy deal. There was really no uh, marketing budget spent on it. There was nothing spent on it since it, it came from a referral that I decided to go with the double closing technique versus assigning the mortgage. 
Got it. Yeah, that's always, it depends on the factors you said, right? It depends on the actual seller and other factors involved, right? Because some people it's easy, but for your, for the sanity of making the deal go faster without any, any hiccups, you'll pay a little bit more extra. So right. know, we do double closing, we've done assignments, just depends on the transaction. Oh. Yeah. So how to approach, uh, a lot of people say, all right, well, I mean, what kind of conversations, how do I approach realtors for this? And it's very simple. First thing, I'm getting to know a realtor, right? We're buy human, we're, buy lunch. Yeah. We're human <laughs> beings, you know, like I'm not going straight for the, Hey, you got any deals? Send me this, this, that, that. I'm basically sitting down with them and I'm getting to know them. I'm understanding their business. I'm understanding their market. I'm understanding their style, their team, how they market, how they pick up deals. Um, when I find an agent that, mostly does listings that is a great agent to really build a uh, great relationship with because he has many opportunities for these type of deals i mean it it it's not just the, the t- we'll break down another deal in a second that you'll see how you can you can get sub two deals you can get wholesale deals and realtors not just in their listings, but in the ones that they turn down because mm-hmm. they go there, there's no equity in the deal. So they the sellers can't make money, pay commission and pay closing costs in selling the house. Usually realtors just walk away from that mm-hmm. and say it's not a good deal. So these are the type of conversations I'm having as I first sit down, get to know them, get to know what their business is like, get to know what their experiences are usually with clients. And then I basically tell them a couple different, you know, scenarios that we do deals with. For example, a sub two deal in that kind of scenario. Hey, what do you do? Uh, question. What do you do when there's no equity in the deal and you get that lead and they can't cover your commission and they can't cover making a profit and paying closing costs. And when they say, well, I mean, it's a dead deal. You know, we just put them in a nurture campaign and check with back with them every couple of times a year. And hopefully in a few years when they have equity, we'll do a deal. Then I say, well, actually, I'm very interested in those kind of deals. And I will pay commission on our side if we buy those deals, even with no equity. And right there, you'll see them like give the... Like, what yeah, you, you become, you're becoming a problem solver. Remember, most realtors, you know, have a niche, right? So you have your high end realtors, you have your your realtors that list residential properties, you have your investment realtors, right? I worked for an REO broker who did all foreclosed properties, right? You have your guys that do multi families. So whatever you're looking to buy, whatever kind of deals you're looking you're looking for in your area, find those realtors who always have those type of deals and make sure they know who you are, right? Make sure they know who you are. Right, take them out to lunch or somewhere, introduce yourself, right? Make sure they know you can close deals and give them all your parameters, right? And then don't be afraid to follow up with them, right? Because they might forget about you. If, you. if you haven't closed a deal with them before, you're not gonna be at the top of their at the top of their mind, right? So you gotta reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that. You have anything, right? So you have to stay on the top of their head until so you close one or two, then you'll become like Kevin said, where they just give you a phone call and call you up right away. Right. Eric's asking me, since I became the seller on the B2C, did I pay a reduced commission on the transaction to compensate your realtor friend? So I'm glad you bring that up, Eric. Very good point. So what he's talking about is I bought the original deal. The advantage to the realtor is they make full commission on that Mm -hmm. because I'm not 
coming with my real t- real estate team to buy and split the commission. So off the jump, the incentive for the realtors to have these type of relationships with people like me is that they're making full commissions on their listings. So right off the jump, he made more money with me buying that deal because I didn't ask to split the commission. I didn't bring my, my real estate or if I had my real estate license, I'm not asking for that commission. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, there wasn't any official commission structure. So when he recommended me someone that was looking to put a backup offer and I ended up taking that deal, we didn't have a standard um, commission agreement, but I always take care of my agents that send me deals. I always look out for them, help them with their business. So the relationship is uh, there's a return on investment and we take care of them no matter what. But there wasn't and we didn't like do another listing agreement because there's probably a conflict of interest there. And just to keep it simple, he made his full commission on the other side of the deal and we take care of our realtors always. Yeah. Yeah. We do the same thing. You pay him yeah. a small commission for bringing the buyer. You bring me a buyer. If you're not a realtor, you bring me a buyer, I'm gonna pay you commission or a fee just so you know. <clears throat> right. So then, um, you know, they're, they, they perk up. Listen, I give me your listings. Every listing you have, just call me, run it by me. I'll buy it. You could keep the full amount. Um, if I decide I want to move forward with that, I explain to them that on leads they don't move forward with, I want access to those and I will pay a referral fee on those. And then I give them a couple scenarios, a couple conversations. And if you guys don't have the experience, then use this one. You can use this one and share this YouTube with them so that they can get more education for it and um, and they'll see the opportunity and then they start understanding. Now, here's what I use 24-7 no matter what level of implementation we do in our business. Anytime you're establishing a new a relationship, people will understand it. They'll shake their head. They'll think it's great. But don't necessarily think that 100% they're going to remember the very next time one of those opportunities come. So I stay following up and say, hey, any listings coming down the pipe? Remember, give me first crack at it. So you got to kind of remind them. And it takes, you know, what do they say? It takes 30 days to, to create a habit. Yeah. Definitely. So in real estate, it's probably, it takes like three, probably four deals. Longer than that. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's the deals. <laughs> Until you close a few deals, I'm right. going to call you right away. So right. definitely. No, that's good, man. I got, it's funny because when we talked about this topic, I said, man, I haven't bought a deal from a realtor in forever. Right. But I, I totally forgot. I'm buying a deal next week <laughs> that a realtor gave me. That was a pocket listing. You know, the realtor called me up on the house. House was a mess. It was one of those hoarder houses. And she's like, Hey, I know you buy deals as is. I didn't even know the realtor, but she knew of us, right? So because we're closing deals, she knew who we were, called us up, got us through it. We're buying it and selling a land contract next week, you know? So nice. if you perform, if they know you perform, even if it's not a relationship that you already had, like Kevin just said, but if your name is out there, someone who performs or closes deals, they will come look for you when those complicated deals come. Very nice. Very nice. So then the next deal um, actually closed yesterday and the buyer is is a uh, is a contact of mine who has been in the wholesale game for years. Right, we we met a couple years ago, 
And this is why it's good to have relationships with both lenders, you know, mortgage professionals and realtors. So this is a deal that someone on my team was trying to do the deal. And the person that was the original buyer was the actual realtor who listed it. So long story short, the realtor had an issue with IRS and they couldn't process their IRS statements. So we couldn't finish the loan. So she didn't know how long the IRS was going to take to fix, you know, I don't know if it was identity or something. Somebody was using her identity. So she couldn't guarantee her client that she was trying to buy the property from that they were going to be able to close within the time frame that the seller wanted. So the deal ended up going back out into the market and it was, $70,000 under appraised value that because it needed to, you know, get a facelift. So the seller had originally agreed to sell $70,000 che- cheaper than what the as is appraised value was. Yeah, the as is. Was right. Huge. So completely remodeled. It was probably worth, you know, obviously more. So it was a great deal. The realtor tried to buy it first. Their circumstances didn't allow it. So then she's like, do you guys have any other pre-approved buyers for it? I said, hold on a second. I think I can make this deal happen. And then I reached out and my guy that I had a relationship with that's been in real estate investing for a while, went, took a look at it. We had our appraisal already done. Inspection was already done because she was in the middle of her loan process and they were super interested in it. We made even a lower offer because now the seller's even more desperate, wants to, you know, be able to get out. So we created more of a spread. That's how I was able to include myself in there. So the realtor still made money as the listing agent. She Mm -hmm. didn't keep the property herself. But at that point, she knew, whatever, I just want to get it sold for my client. I'll make money that way. And, you know, I'll, I'll get another deal next time. This was my first uh, um, deal with this realtor. I didn't know this realtor. She knows one of my team members. She was working with my team members. So my team member introduced me. Hey, you know, Kevin's in the real estate game. He could probably, you know, work this out for you and and at the very least buy it or, or get another buyer for it. And that's exactly what we did. So that closed yesterday. And, I, you know, that's another check for me, basically wholesaling it from a dead deal. So there's deals that die on realtors and also mortgage professionals all the time. And sometimes they're good deals. Sometimes they may not have equity. So now you got to go in with a creative financing aspect. But the question always is, what do you guys do when you ever, a couple times a year, a deal dies? If you're a realtor, they just probably let it go, right? They they let it go. And that's why we keep preaching no one creative financing because the average realtor, the average wholesaler, the average investor just walks away from that deal, right? They don't know the solutions. They don't have the time to take care of it. So all of these deals, you figure what? If, if that's like once for that realtor, a couple a month will fall into your laps if you know how to solve these difficult real estate problems. All right. So when you're having coffee, when you're having these phone conversations, when you're at a networking event, talking to realtors, pose that same exact question. Mm -hmm. Hey, what do you do 
when a deal falls apart. And when they say, well, you know, we'll try to put it back on the market. We'll try to get it for sale. Say, I want to be that guy you call. I want to be your problem solver. And depending on what the problem is, we buy properties that have no equity in them. And we have a network of buyers. And this is why maintaining good relationships with people in your market that you know make moves. Because me personally, the property was all the way in Homestead. So that was, you know, yeah, that's close to me. That's right by you. <laughs> You're a northerner. Uh, I'm in the middle of close of uh, two projects right now. So personally, I didn't want another renovation project on my plate. Mm-hmm. But I know somebody in my world is going to. So I mm-hmm. might as well make the wholesale. Yeah, that's that's so key as far as, you know, it might not be a deal for you, but somebody that you know what's a deal, right? So you know someone else who it's a deal for, you'll get a fee for it, they'll get the deal, the realtor will get the commission, and the seller will get a solve a problem solved that they wouldn't have solved before. You know, and right. realtors have like anybody, realtors have buckets, right? So they know, all right, this is my cash buyer, he's buying for fix and flips, right? Again, your fix and flip buyer is very limited on what he can buy, right? Your buy and hold buyer, right, is limited on what he can buy. But when you can <laughs> Creative stuff, all those problems come right to you, right? So become the creative, you know, uh, guy or girl in your neighborhood, and you will get a lot of deals that just fall in your lap. Yeah, and that's kind of what you want your realtors to view you as, as the problem solver. Definitely. Hey, yep. this guy. I, whenever I'm stuck, let me call him, and he's gonna either give me the right advice, connect me with the right person, or be able to, you know save the deal. Mm-hmm. And if and they every, view you that way, you're always going to have leads. Yeah. And understand every realtor is calling up these few you know, buyers first. So any house that hits the market, that realtor's already called up, you know, a Kevin or a me or somebody else who's close to them to say, Hey, I got this new deal. You, you know, you want this deal that always happens. So if you're not one of those people getting called, right, you need to reach out to the realtors in your market um, and get on that list, right? Make sure they know who you are. Talk right. to people. And if it's a deal that you don't want, it's like, hey, look, this one right here doesn't fit our box, but call me on the next one. Good luck on this. I'm still going to let my people know and share it with your other realtors, share it with your other investors, because now you become essentially part of their marketing and sales team as you're just doing them a favor and promoting their listing for them. Whether you, you know, whether you want to buy it or not, it might be a completely perfect retail deal like traditional sellers they're not hard up they're not gonna you know it doesn't work at all for creative it doesn't work for anything it's just a traditional i'm selling and then i'm gonna move to something else and i want top dollar beautiful share it on your social media forum share it on your email list for them tell your other realtors hey one of my realtor partners that i got one of my realtor friends has this listing in case you have another buyer for it and share it and they will continue to come to you simply they because they know you're a team member. You're someone that's helping them out no matter what. Yep, most definitely. I think definitely. when we're only looking at it with greedy eyes, like, is this good for me? If it's not good for me, then I, I can't do anything with it. That, that mentality blocks you from creating the type of relationships that are going to, you know, Really yeah. off long term, and I always say that. I mean, I take, I take five hundred bucks. I take a thousand bucks on a deal that 
I didn't pay for any marketing on. <laughs> it just came to me, right? So I'm not going to be greedy at all. If somebody brings me a deal that doesn't fit for me and I can make, you know, 500 bucks on it, I'm going to make 500 bucks. I don't need to make, you know, 5,000 or 10,000, whatever it is. That's a free deal, right? None of my marketing money was out there, right? Not only a free deal, but then the next time that deal comes to begin like that, they're going to come to you again, right? So that starts adding up, adding up because now they say, okay, Jory can help me out, right? And then they're in the office and other realtor has an issue. Jory can help me out with this issue. Or, okay, you can't find anybody for that. Let me call Jory. You become the go-to person, man. That stuff adds up. If you got a couple of those coming per month. <clears throat> yeah. And even if you don't make money on it, the fact that you're still promoting their deals, you're sharing their deals, you're telling people about it, that starts to be able to, to, to build that goodwill and essentially... What I mentioned earlier, create the habit that they're always coming to you with their deals. You want 10, 20, 30 realtors constantly saying, hey, I got this deal in case you know, in case you're interested, in case you want to buy it. When you create that, and it might take you three, six, 12 months to really create that. But when you have that going on, I guarantee you there's one or two deals a year that are coming to you guaranteed. Yep, you got your own little street team out there yeah. finding deals for you. Yep, definitely. Yeah. And you know, then, it's good to know that you know pe- people still think that they can't find deals from realtors in the market, but there is. I mean, again, pocket listing is one, right? Off-market deals is another way. They're still out there, so keep stoking those relationships. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of people think that um, getting a realtor involved is going to make the situation complicated and you're not going to be able to get the numbers you want. Mm-hmm. But you're only looking at it from one perspective. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. Sometimes there's a realtor, they don't understand and the investing side of it. They only know how to do the traditional side of it. And then you start becoming like confrontational with them. Oh, but what do you mean? You don't know how to sign a contract? Oh, you don't know this a double close? You don't know what a double close is? You don't want to have to fight with them. In fact, when you come into um, a negative type of confrontational energy from a realtor, I see that as an opportunity because it's like, oh, here's an agent that doesn't know the game. Let me, first of all, it's like defuse the situation. Yeah, educate them first, help them out to learn it. Um, Yeah. Oh, man. hey, Hey, listen, no worries. You know, like, I understand, so you know, some some traditional real estate brokerages and houses they don't really get into the investing side. Uh, if you got five minutes, I'd love to be able to explain it to you. We can, act, and if you need resources, I can connect you with my real estate attorney that can, you know, that you can consult with and make sure that everything is ethical and legal, and we're not doing anything crazy. And like, let me tell you of a couple deals because and how I actually do a lot of deals with realtors like yourself. That way, maybe not this deal. No worries if we can't do this deal, but maybe deals in the future. And then you start to kind of have a candid conversation about how it works and what are the different ways you can do it. And like, I don't, I don't, uh, I mean, if a realtor is a real jerk, you know, they're a real jerk and there's nothing you can do. But most of the time you can, instead of fighting and be like, oh, you don't know, you don't know a damn thing you know, you can. You can defuse the situation and that realtor might turn out to be a good source for you in the future. 
Yeah. Yeah, because remember, they don't, just like a lot of investors only know one thing, right? <laughs> Most of the realtors only know what they focus on, they specialize on. I mean, that's yeah. all they know. You know, I'm a licensed broker to this day, and most of the realtors have no idea how to do anything creative, right? They have no idea how to do most investment deals. Like, they'll mess up a basic rental property deal, right? Because they're focused on other stuff. So, yeah. and, you know. and I wanted to point it out because you're going to get a lot of defensive agents. They're like, oh, I, you know, that, that doesn't, it's like, hey, mm-hmm. I get it. Like, don't fight them because I see too many people in the investment game hate realtors <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm like i get easily easily two three deals a year with realtors involved mm-hmm. so i mean that if you add up the money is sometimes most people's annual salary on those deals so how can you d- completely dismiss that avenue and which is the point of the show yeah, you should be looking to partner with them. You know, I, I would even say right now, if you're in your market and you don't have a relationship with any realtor right now, you know, go find the top four or five who are moving the deals that you're interested in and take them to lunch, right? Ask to talk to them on the phone so you can partner with them. Yeah. A realtor that does a lot of short sales, that's a good realtor to have connect. A realtor that does a lot of probate, that's a lot of, that's a good realtor to connect with. Um, and then just general agents, just simply that that uh, that may not understand it, that you can bring this value and start partnering and doing deals with. Like this new agent that we just talked about, the deal that we did that closed yesterday, that's it. Now she knows we saved her deal mm-hmm. and she was still at least able to make you know her commission. And guess what? We didn't take any of the commission. She made full boat on that. So sure, at first she was trying to get the deal herself because it was a great deal. That didn't work out, but she was still able to make full boat and we were able to make it happen for her. So, you know, she's she's going to have us in consideration for life. Yeah, she definitely will. Yeah. She definitely and then will. the third option, and we can end with this one, is the house hacking option or cash flow properties op- uh, opportunity. Those are always on the market. I mean, deals that cash flow all day, every day. If your realtor has a pre-approved buyer and your mortgage professional too, this is another one that falls into the category. They're out there looking for multifamilies and looking for cash flow properties. So you might as well tell them, hey, when you're showing cash flow properties to other clients, send them to me because we're constantly looking for cash flow deals. And I have other buyers that are looking for cash flow deals. So anything that cash flows positive over two, three, four, five hundred dollars a month, depending on which market you're in. Run it by me. Send it to me. I want to see it. Why? Because you don't know who in your network is house hacking. So they're looking for great deals that they can turn around and and, and rent afterwards. And then in your network that you should be wholesaling deals to, they're always looking for great cash flow for the buy and hold type of investor. So you want your realtors constantly sending you great cash flowing deals. Definitely. And, and house hacking, for those that don't know, is when, uh, you know, I, for example, I buy a duplex, right? I use an FHA loan through Kevin. I live in one half of the duplex. I rent the other half out. The other half pays for our mortgage or the majority of it. And I'm basically living, you know, mortgage rent free, right? That's house hacking. I've actually, you know, talked to a few people in the last 
two or three weeks and said, hey, this is what you should be looking to doing right now, right? You have an FHA opportunity to get an FHA loan, three and a half percent, go out there, find a multi-unit, live on one side and rent the other side out and just start scaling up like that. And we got a, you know, a great, a great, great uh, video Kevin did about that in our course coming out here soon. But um, house hacking is something I would definitely be doing. If I didn't have five kids <laughs> and, a, and a dog, I'd be doing it myself. Yeah. But even then, let's say if you already own a house or whatnot, partner with your kids or partner with your cousin or partner with someone that you trust that is just starting to buy places or is looking for their first place. And you can get into these great cash flowing properties and house hack where essentially in the next four or five years, you're buying a place, rent, you know, living in it while you get it up to par and then boom, move to the next one, leave that one rented. And you're buying all these places using all the advantages of financing a primary residence. So you're coming in with three to 5% down instead of 20 to 25% down. And in the four or five years, you got yourself a nice little real estate portfolio with anywhere between, you know, five to, to seven to eight doors, depending on what moves you made. And uh, and now that's it. Now you just got to focus on on paying those things off and taking care of them. And and you got yourself your retirement income right there. And that's what, you know, that's what we teach a lot of our people. The, tra- the training that Jory mentioned, we go deeper and we show you guys examples and and it's coming from deals that are on the market that realtors have access to. And the, the, the issue is I'm constantly working. I'm out there doing my thing. I don't see every single amazing cash flowing property no, because no I'm not sitting down searching for those all the time. But if I had 20, 30 agents sending me the good ones that they just saw while they're searching for their clients, guess what? Now I'm seeing some of the best of the best that they're seeing out there. And then when an opportunity stares at me in my face, all of a sudden ideas and people and buyers and, oh, my little cousin was looking for a place and mentioned to me at the barbecue that they wanted to buy. Let me show him this deal and maybe we could partner and do this deal together. Or at the very least, maybe I'm not even part of that deal, but now I connected them with my cousin and the realtor makes a deal. They're happy. I'm their go connector source. My cousin's happy. And now I have a stronger relationship for something else down the road. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're putting the pieces together, man. And lots of times the residual for putting things together where you make no money are a lot greater than what you even know. Right. Some, some of your best opportunities come from, Hey, I put Kevin together with this person. I made nothing on it. I just brought them together. But a year later they came back to me and now I made this big, you know, this, this opportunity came. So, you know, be a person that just puts things together and helps people out. We've always talked about that. We're helping people out. We're solving problems. The rest of it will work itself out. Right. But be a problem solver. Yeah. So premise of the show, moral of the story, realtors are friends of the Real Estate Investing Network if you know the game and if you know how to be true, good person, considerate, build amazing relationships, be their best friend, really have interest in helping their business and growing their business and karma will happen and it'll take care of itself and you'll be blessed with opportunities 
down the road. Definitely. They're your silent partners. You don't even know it yet. So go out there and partner with them, right? You got free, <laughs> free marketing at your hands. They do it for free. <clears throat> Good topic today, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you once again for listening to Shut Up and Invest. If you guys are motivated at the thought of continuing your real estate journey with us, then visit shutupandinvest.com. There you can join our community and take advantage of more free resources. And don't forget, please like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast so you're first to hear our new content every week. Most importantly, get active and don't forget to shut up and invest.